Amen. Let's stand to our feet, if you will. So good to be in the house of the Lord tonight, and great to feel the touch of God upon this place. Praise God. I wish that we really, I, I wish we could comprehend what the true measure is of His touch upon our lives. The difference it has made in us, some of us have gotten so accustomed to it that we've forgotten where the Lord brought us from. But I'm thankful tonight that I feel something drawing me. Amen. I feel the touch of God and I'm thankful for that. Praise God. Why don't you just give the Lord some praise right now. Clap your hands to the Lord and praise Him. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and I hope that you will bring somebody with you. Let's make it, why don't we make it the greatest Easter Sunday morning that we've ever had. Amen. Well, how about that? Praise God. How about that? About half of you, maybe a third of you are with me right now. I don't know where the rest of you are, but you can go ahead and come on in right now. Amen. Let's make it the best. My wife reminded me this today 13 years ago on Easter Sunday we had groundbreaking here on this property 13 years ago Easter Sunday we had great plans and uh, we had all of these things that we were going to do on the property we were so excited coming from the storefront and uh, having this four acres, five acres look like a hundred acres to us. When you've been used to having church in a 25 by 55 foot shotgun building, this was like the world. And so we had a tent put up and uh, would you believe that it started raining on Monday and it rained all week long. And it was one messy soggy place. It was so bad that we had to put boards from the highway into the tent so people would have a place to walk. And even then, there was so much water in the ground. I had called the dump trucks and they had brought in, I forgot, like 10 loads of crushed concrete to put it out. And all it did was just sink down in the mud. And here we are in our fancy Easter clothes. But you know what? Nobody minded getting muddy that day. Nobody minded um, all of the inconvenience because we were stepping into a new day. Our church was experiencing a new opportunity. And I'm, I'm thankful for that blessing. And I believe that Easter Sunday ought to be even better than that. Amen. We got a nice building to have church in. The only problem is we've gotten a lot lazier since then. You know, if we were to have that problem today, we'd probably reschedule. But we didn't even think about rescheduling. We were so excited. Some of you probably wouldn't even have come. Uh, you know, if it were, but we didn't know any better. I'm not trying to be accusative here tonight, but I'm just telling you, we've gotten lazy around here. And if everything's not just right, the temperature's not perfect, and the weather's not right, we can find all excuses. But on that day, nobody wanted to stay home. 
We had over, I, want, I think we had about 125 or 130 in that little shotgun building. And then we came over here, filled the tent up. We got muddy, but we had a great time. And so I, it'd be great to have another Easter like that. A new, new groundbreaking. Maybe not a physical groundbreaking, but a spiritual groundbreaking. And we would move into some new territory. Everybody that's hungry for that, say amen. Thank you, Brother Joey, and good to have your daughter with us tonight. Amen. And uh, thankful for them helping us this weekend. Sister Charlotte's out of town. Glad you're here. Get your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans, the first chapter. Romans chapter 1, and I am going to begin reading at verse number 11. <clears throat> this particular thought has been, uh, has been eating on me for several days, weeks perhaps. I don't remember exactly when this particular uh, thought uh, began to surface in my mind and began to stir my spirit, but I come to you tonight with a burden, and I hope that you will receive that and not misinterpret anything that I might say. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 11 he said, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Notice the terminology. I long to see you. I hunger. I am anxious to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto. He was not allowed to come. That I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Verse number 14, Paul said, I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Verse number 14, Paul said, I am a debtor. I want to use those words for my subject tonight. I am a debtor. Put your Bibles down, join hands with somebody, and let's pray together right now. Lord, I come before you tonight, and I hunger, Lord. I thirst after you. I pray your anointing will be upon us and upon my mind and my spirit. I pray, God, that you will minister in this sanctuary to every person that they will feel the burden of the Lord and they will feel that sense of urgency of your spirit that we would capture the, the heartbeat of God tonight, that we would be moved, Lord, 
In the name of Jesus, let it all be done according to your will. We thank you for it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Clap your hands as you're being seated and give the Lord praise one more time. There is really no such thing as a self-made man. Although we hear that term used often of men who have succeeded in life without seeming to have the benefit of help or without having a pedigree or background or money, they pull themselves up, so to speak, by their own bootstraps and make something of themselves And oftentimes we say of that kind of person that they are a self-made man. Though we say that, the truth is that we are all products of others. Amen. We are all product of others. The scripture says that no man liveth to himself. No man. Everybody say no man. No woman liveth to themselves. We are products of others. We live by others and we live through others. We live in a time when people feel that they are entitled to certain things. I don't know if it's because of the prosperity of our nation and the blessings of God that has been upon America, but there is in our nation And it is rampant in our nation, a feeling of entitlement, that we are owed something. The world owes me something. It owes me a living. It owes me a chance. It owes me prosperity. It owes me blessing. It owes me a better life. And so people come at life from that idea that, Life owes them something. I want you to listen to me tonight, especially all of you young people and young couples. Life doesn't owe you anything. Life doesn't owe you anything. You're not owed a better cell phone. You're not owed an iPad. You're not owed an education. Nobody is entitled to things in this life. What you have and what you have the opportunity to enjoy are blessings from the Lord. But nobody is entitled to them. You did not come into this world with some kind of entitlement right that said you are to be treated this way and you are to be kept this way and you are to have these things and you are to be blessed with these things. There is no such thing. All of our lives are affected by the fact that we are the product of others and I am not owed one thing in this world, but I do owe a lot to others. All of the rivers run into the sea. You would think that after all of the rivers run into the sea, the sea would be overflowing and it would be encroaching on land and growing in mass. But the truth is the ocean is not growing at all because it knows that it does not receive to keep. 
it receives to give. And so the sea gives up the moisture and it goes into the clouds and it comes back down. And so the cycle of life goes on and on. There is only one place in the world that I know that receives but does not give and that is the Dead Sea. And it is a place where rivers run into but there is nothing that goes out of it. And its name tells its fate. It is a dead sea. There is no life there. And there is no life that can grow there because it does not know or understand the principle of life. That is that you receive and you give. You receive and you give. But if all you do in your life is take and receive and take and receive, you are doomed to the same fate as the Dead Sea and your life will be just like a Dead Sea. Paul's conversion was a truly marvelous thing. If you study his life and you see all that happened to him in his life, we first are introduced to him as a man named Saul. He is a persecutor of the church and he is zealous because he is a Roman and he has certain credentials and he has certain rights and principles because of birth. And he goes about in his state of religious uh, 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 priority feeling that he had the right to persecute. And so when he is on the road to Damascus and God strikes him down and begins to speak into his life and that life begins to change, it is truly a marvelous thing. And as Paul begins his new life, as it unfolds and he begins to discover every day the power of God, there is a passion that begins to grow in him. There is a passion that begins to drive him. There is a, a, an urgency that pushes him. His life was marked by what many would call a radical way of thinking, a radical way of living. He went all out in living for God. He didn't hold anything back from God. He was fanatical in his walk with God. He, he did not even count his life dear to himself. He, he was not afraid to die. He was not afraid of prison. He was not afraid of the whip. He was not afraid of imprisonment. He was not afraid of being offered. He, as a matter of fact, said at one time, I am ready to be offered. I am ready to present myself as a sacrifice. He said, I am going to give myself to God because He has given so much to me. There was only one passion that drove Him. There was one desire and that was to reach everybody that He could with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This spirit of passion that drove Him, drove Him to do all that he could do. He was driven by a sense of responsibility. He was driven by a feeling of indebtedness. He said to the Romans, I am a debtor. I owe a debt. A, a debtor is someone who owes something. A debtor is someone who is under an obligation. And Paul said... I am that kind of man. 
I don't feel like God owes me anything. I don't feel like the church owes me anything. I don't feel like my parents owe me anything. I don't feel like life owes me anything. But I owe a lot to life. I owe a debt to God. And I owe a debt to the church And he said, the reason that I live the way I live is because of that sense of indebtedness. Because I feel that sense of obligation. I owe a debt, first of all, to God. Because He has done so much to me. He has done so much for me. He has done so much in me. I owe a debt to God because of His mercy. I owe a debt to God because of His love and grace. I owe a debt to God because of that unmerited favor. But not only do I owe a debt to God, I owe a debt to His church. I owe a debt to that body of believers that He died to birth and He went to Calvary so that they might come into existence. And He said, I have an obligation. I feel an obligation. And this obligation was the motive power behind all that He did. The debt that He felt upon His life, it affected His whole way of living. It affected His priorities. It affected His conviction. It affected His commitment. It affected where He lived and how He lived. He said, I am tied up. I am engrossed in an obligation. I am indebted to God. And I am indebted to the church. But why was he in debt? Salvation is free. The Lord said you can't purchase it. It is by grace through faith. You can't buy this. You can't bargain for this. You can't find it on the market and purchase it at a certain price. He said this is free. So why? Why does he owe a debt for something that was free? Why does he owe a debt for something that didn't cost him anything? You certainly don't have to wait to earn it. There was something though about what had happened to him. There was something about what had transpired in his life. There was something about this thing that had happened to him that was so wonderful and marvelous that he couldn't get away from it. He could not get away. He would not get away from it. He said, if it had not been for the Lord, where would I be? If it had not been for the mercy of God, where would I be? He could not get away from what he knew of the love of God. He could not forget what God has done. And he said, on top of that, I don't ever want to forget. I am a debtor. He was in debt for all the Lord had done for him. For all the Lord had shown him. For all the Lord had given him. I've thought this week of the passion of Christ. I thought while we were singing earlier of his worthiness. I thought about how ugly it was at Golgotha. I thought about how cruel it was at Calvary. I thought about how ugly it was at Gethsemane. I thought about what he went through in that garden when he worried and agonized and he fretted over disciples that couldn't keep their eyes open, that couldn't pay attention, that couldn't keep their focus. They want to sleep while he's praying. 
like a lot of people do in church. They can't keep their focus. I'm talking about an hour and a half service and we can't even keep our attention on what's going on sometimes. And there he is worrying with that. He gets up every little while and he goes to check on them. And there they are asleep. And he said, wake up, wake up. I, I need you to help me pray. I need, you to, I need you to help me in this hour. And he walks away from them and they just find themselves another comfortable place. And they slump back on a rock and go back to sleep. And there he is sweating and perspiring and blood erupts out of his cells. And he begins to pour his blood, bloody sweat all came down until finally he came to that point in time where he said it's enough I've conquered it I've paid it I've been willing I'm going to do whatever the Lord wants me to do and he got up from those men and he said you go ahead and sleep on the hour has come for me to do what I need to do and he went on to Calvary they beat him they stripped him they mocked him they cursed him they pulled his beard they mocked they, they did everything they could to shame him but he never bowed his head he never turned back he never backed up one moment from that and he did it all because of me and he did it all because of you he didn't do it because he was guilty he did it because I was guilty he did it because I needed somebody to pay a price that I could not pay Paul said when I think of all that he's done for me there is this sense of obligation. There is this sense of indebtedness that I feel. This church has been a home to many of us. It has been a home that many of you did not have before you found the church. This place has been a family to many of you. All of us have been enjoying the family of God. This church has been a place of refuge from the storms of life. I have seen many of you come in beaten down and overwhelmed with the storms breaking in your life and in your family. And I've watched God minister to you in this sanctuary. I watched God's Spirit reach out and get you and draw you into that cleft in the rock. I've seen God heal hurts. I've seen Him restore lives. This church has been a shelter in time of trouble. When we have gotten in trouble, when we have been trouble, we have always been able to come back to the church and we found here a place where we could be restored. We've always known that a light was going to be on in this sanctuary. No matter what's going on in our life, if we can just get back to the church if we can just get back to the house of God there's a shelter there there's a place of safety there I'm going to find encouragement there I'm going to hear somebody say amen there I'm going to hear somebody say praise the Lord there I'm going to hear somebody say hallelujah hallelujah that's what's happened in the church we have found forgiveness here. How many of you found forgiveness in this house? We found mercy in this house. We found help in this house. We found love in this house. We found acceptance in this house. We have found peace in this house. We have found direction in this house. 
And many of us have been restored. Lives have been saved. And broken hearts and broken minds and broken lives have been put back together. No, it's not a perfect place. But it is a holy place. It's not without its flaws. And it's not without its its missteps at times. But in spite of all of that, I have come to tell you tonight that not one of you have ever had to worry or wonder if the lights were going to be on in this building. Since we came to this place and we began pastoring, nobody has ever had to wonder. I wonder if they're going to have church tonight. I wonder if the lights are going to be on. I wonder if somebody's going to be there. I wonder if they're going to have church. I wonder if the doors are going to be open. You've never had to wonder if they will take me back no matter how far away from God you go and no matter how ugly you are to the church when man comes back to the church this church has always had open arms and we've always been ready to restore I want to tell you something tonight I owe a debt to this church I said I owe a debt to this church I have an obligation to this place and I cannot live without that obligation on my life Hallelujah. You have never had to wonder if there was going to be a voice in this pulpit that would preach the Word of God. You have never had to wonder if we were going to have church or play games. You've never had to wonder if we were going to have church or have ceremony. You've never had to worry whether or not we were going to worship or whether we were just going to come and go through some little ritual and be, be satisfied with our ritual. You have never had to wonder if we were going to make it. You've never had to wonder or worry about whether we were going to make it. Though you may not have thought about it, we have had to make it through some things. We've had to ford some rivers. We've had to walk through some dark places. But nobody sitting on these pews tonight has ever had to worry whether or not this church is going to make it. If I could tell you the statistics tonight of how many churches close down in any given year, it will boggle your mind. But you have never had to worry, is this church going to close its doors? Not if I can do anything about it. Not if I have any say in it. I owe a debt to this church. I have an obligation on me. And whatever I have to do, if I have to go back and dig ditches, if I have to go back and build cabinets, whatever it takes, I made up my mind. I want to keep these doors open and I want to keep these lights on. Why? Because I feel an indebtedness to this church. I feel an indebtedness to this church. You've never had to wonder if your pastor was going to be faithful or not. You've never had to worry about that. You've never had to worry about whether I was going to abscond with money from this church. You've never had to worry if whether I was going to be honest with you about the monies of this church. Never. And you never will have to worry about that as long as I can do anything about it. But that's a blessing, folks. Not everybody can say that. My brother talked to one of the largest financial lending institutions to churches in America Talked to one of their officers recently. He said, 
speaking to him about a church loan for another church trying to go into a building program. He said, just tell them to wait. He said, in the next year, there are scores of mega churches in the Houston area that are going to go belly up because they can't pay their bills because they can't meet their obligation. You know why? Because nobody in that congregation feels an indebtedness to that congregation. Nobody feels an indebtedness. Nobody feels like they owe that church anything. Though it has been open. Though it has been a restoring place. Though it has been a healing place. Though it has been a ministering place. Nobody feels an obligation. And so the doors close. But you stand. You listen to me right now. You have never had to worry about that in this place never never we've had people come and go and as long as we live there will be people who come and go but we've never never lost sight of what we're here for and where we're going you ought to thank God for that I'm not bragging on myself I'm trying to brag on you tonight Because we didn't do this by ourselves. We didn't do this as individuals. We did this because we felt, somebody felt an obligation. I look at my father-in-law. That man served Brother Kilgore for 50 years. Nobody ever had to wonder whether Harvey Vickery was going to be at church on Thursday night or Sunday morning or Sunday night. He was always there. All of those ushers. You could count on those men being in their place. And I want to thank God that we have some good ushers as well. But I look at him tonight and I see his life and I realize it was not because it was, there was something in it for him. It was because somewhere in his past something happened in his life because of the church that turned him around and it filled him with something and out of that grew a sense of obligation and if I have any strength in me if I have any will in me I'm going to be there every time I can they're not going to have to wonder where I'm at they're not going to have to worry whether I'm going to be there or not I owe a debt to this church I owe a debt to this church and I will pay it it has provided many of you with your spouses I wonder how many of you found your spouse in the house of God. Would you stand in the church? You got your wife at the church. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a pretty good representation. You may be seated. The church has been a place where people have found spouses. They found friends. It's been a place of fellowship. It's been a place where... Our youth have had something to do at all times. Yes. We built that family center back there not because of me or because of all of these old codgers sitting on the pews here. We built that because we wanted to have something for you guys. That's right. That's why there's things upstairs that sometimes don't get used, but they're there because we want to make sure that you have a place to go, that you have something to do, that there's a place where you can bring friends and family. I want to thank God for that tonight. It has been a place where all of us have been bettered. We have all been improved. I would say for all it has done in our lives, it certainly deserves our faithfulness. 
It deserves our consistency. It deserves our prayers. It deserves our financial support. Oh, yes. It amazes me ever so often. I don't do it very often, but ever so often I go look at the giving of the church. And it amazes me of how many people come and go from the house of God, but they never feel like they owe anything. They never feel like they owe a debt. And so it is shown in their giving and it is shown in their lack of faithfulness. There's something missing in this generation and it bothers me. And I'm not here to pick on anybody, but I'm here to tell you the truth. There is something that is missing from this generation. And that is there is no sense of debt. There is no sense of indebtedness to the Lord or to His church. We have come to believe that God owes us everything. He owes us blessing. He owes us favor. He owes us smiles. He owes us happiness. He owes us joy. He owes us peace. But we don't owe Him anything. He owes me all of the things that will make my life better. But I don't owe Him anything. People feel not the least obligation to the church. People feel no indebtedness to not only the church, but even to this church. And that's why sometimes people come and go. Have you ever wondered, have, have you ever worried of whether or not this church would succeed? Or have we all just been under the assumption that after 18 years, surely we'll keep going? You know, I'm not saying this to be negative tonight, but I'm just telling you. I don't remember the last time... I, I had a young couple or a young person come to me and say, Brother Hughes, how is the church doing financially? Or how is the church faring with paying our obligations? But because we don't think about that. We, we don't even think in those terms. But that's what I'm trying to get you to think about. There's an indebtedness. You're here because of the blessings of God. You're here because of the favor of God. You're here because of the mercy of God. Somebody needs to feel a sense of indebtedness to that. Somebody needs to feel a sense of obligation because this church has got to go. What happens if I pass out tomorrow? What happens if I fall over dead of a heart attack tonight? What happens if some of the elders in this church fall away? I wonder if that would work. Worry anybody here tonight? Would this church go on? Would this church exist? I would hope that it would, but it won't if people don't feel an indebtedness. You don't feel a sense of obligation. I don't believe that I owe you anything, Brother Hughes. I don't owe the church anything. Then you've missed the most important principle of life. How much I owe to the Lord. How much I owe to His blessings upon my life. How much I owe to His watch care. How much I owe to His mercy. How much I owe to His love. How much I owe to His unmerited favor. I would not know what I know today if it were not for the church. And I feel a sense of debt. A debt that I want to pay. That's why I come to this pulpit with a burden tonight. 
I didn't come here to gripe at you, though some of you may interpret it as that. I came here to stir something in you. Something to remind you that this thing doesn't stay alive by itself. It stays alive because people are committed to it. It stays alive because people are sold out to it. Paul was so radical in his thinking. He was so radical in his life. When people looked at him, they just shook their heads because he wasn't afraid of death. He wasn't afraid of life. He wasn't afraid of giving himself. He wasn't afraid of the whip. He wasn't afraid of prison. When a man is not afraid, he's a dangerous man. And when a church is not afraid to sell out They're a dangerous church. They're a dangerous church to a world that needs a dangerous church, if you know what I'm talking about. I owe a debt tonight. I owe a debt tonight. Everything that I have, everything that I enjoy tonight has come because of God's mercy upon my life. I want to pay that debt. I want to pay it in my prayer. I want to pay it in my faithfulness. I want to pray it in my consistency. I want to pay it in my sense of obligation. I need to be there. I need to be there. Well, I don't feel like it. I need to be there. I need to be there. I don't think it's it's a sin to miss, Brother Hughes. I didn't say it was. But I feel a debt. I need to be there. I don't want to miss what God might be doing. I don't want to miss what God will be doing. I owe a debt. I want to be found faithful in fulfilling that debt. I want to be faithful in taking care of that obligation. Paul said, I feel this obligation. Why? Gentiles? Why? Why do you feel such a weight of obligation to heathen barbarians? He said, because of what God has done for me. Because of what He's given me. Because of what He's shown me. Because of what He's shared with me. Because of where He's taken me. I owe a debt. This church has stayed open because people have felt that kind of indebtedness. Don't always have to like everything that goes on. Paul and Peter had arguments in the church. But Paul never quit preaching and he never quit being faithful. He kept on in his ministry. Why? Because he was a debtor. He owed a debt. I wonder how many of you feel that tonight. How many of you really recognize that if it had not been for the goodness of the Lord, you would have been gone a long time ago? If it had not been for the mercy of God, your family would have split a thousand ways. Had not been for the goodness of God, your children would be lost tonight. If it had not been for the Lord, your marriage would have dissolved. If it had not been for the goodness of God, you could have been taken out in an instant. And you probably should have been taken out. But God said, no, I have plans for them. I've got a purpose for them. I've got a place for them. Yeah. 
It's at a church called Greater Life. I, I want to use them. I want to I work with them. I want to let them become a light that will affect others around them. I owe. I owe. I owe. Let's stand together.